Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back to the PA the FI Way podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and I'm so excited because I have a very special guest today. His name is Jacob, and he is with My PA Box, and he's going to share some information about this amazing tool for all the pre-PAs out there. So thank you so much, Jacob, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Do you mind introducing yourself, Jacob, and telling us a bit about yourself? Absolutely. So... My name is Jacob, as you introduced me. I practice in pain medicine and orthopedic surgery. So I've been doing that for quite some time, about eight years. The first two years, I was doing a little bit of trial and error. I was in a little bit of urology, went to general surgery, and then got my way into ortho. And at the same time, I started doing pain management as an outpatient setting. And I've been doing that ever since. Okay. And my partner and I pretty much reached out. He basically reached out to me about three, four years ago, roughly around the time I met my wife. And we started actually working on my PE box. It was his idea. And he's like, listen, I think there's a lot of issues when applying to PA school. But I think I have a solution. Hear me out. I believed in his vision. I kind of saw it right away. And about a year into it, it was launched and yeah we're here talking about it now that's such an amazing story i am really excited to share more details about what my pa box is but we'll do that a little bit later in the episode before we get into that do you mind sharing what you enjoy most about practicing in both ortho for surgery as well as pain medicine as a pa absolutely so my take on the reasons why I do orthopedic surgery and pain management is both a procedural. It's not theoretical, or I shouldn't say that. There is theory behind it, but I like to get instant gratification in the medicine that I practice. And procedural medicine, you see that more than you would in managing somebody's hypertension or in someone like in your field, unless again, they have like a, an acute kind of like change in like a psychiatric disorder with your intervention. I feel like there's more slack there. Like it takes longer for you to manage someone, et cetera. With instant gratification, I get more pleasure out of it. I see the recovery from the patients from the time they came in to the time they leave. And those are the main reasons why I practice both of these fields. There is overlap between them. And obviously, there's a lot that doesn't overlap. But those two fields have instant gratification. And I like being in the OR. And I like being in the outpatient setting. 
And there's reasons why I do both from a financial perspective too. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Both of those specialties certainly sound interesting. And like you said, there can be quite a bit of overlap. So do you mind clarifying, are those two different jobs with two different companies or are they two different roles sort of within the same company that you work for? Right. So the orthopedic position that I do, I work in a hospital part-time. So I basically, like my routine there is, it's again, my schedule is very unique just because of the way that I try to coordinate it with my office hours that's in a different setting. This is a private setting. What I do in the hospital is like a 7 a.m. to like 11 a.m., which is twice a week, and then 7 to like 4 p.m. on a Friday. And those are the times I operate pretty much. I don't do a lot of floor work just because we have a lot of, we have a person there, another PA that typically controls the floor. And I'm the one in the operating room kind of doing what we need to do there. I mean, there's going to be slight changes coming around now because there's a lot, there's a different group of orthos that took over our hospital and they're adding a lot more surgeons to it now. So our okay kind of PA group there is going to be growing, not just from an orthopedic surgeon standpoint, but just from a PA standpoint as well. But in pain management, I work about four days a week doing pain management I do about six hours a day in pain management, and it's an outpatient setting. So people come in from, usually I do injury care. It's not necessarily chronic pain management. That's something that I did do for a while. did that for about five years. That's what I kind of like learned everything about pain management, chronic diseases, you know, um, failed laminectomies and failing back surgeries. So you have to manage these patients even though, and then like I dealt with a lot of opioid abuse and I kind of realized what I like and what I don't like about chronic pain medicine. This is one of the reasons that I kind of like alluded to earlier, like when we spoke before, that I like to practice instant gratification medicine more than managing people's diseases just because I feel better about myself when I see that. With chronic pain medicine, some people can have relapses. They can have their pain is going to come back and it's much worse. It's just episodes that are difficult to deal with. And I just realized over time, I kind of don't want to do that. That's why I went into more acute pain medicine, which is injury care, either motor vehicle accidents or work-related injuries, slips and falls. And that's kind of what we focus on in the line of work that I do in pain medicine today. That's very cool. Thank you so much for sharing all those details, Jacob. It sounds as though you have almost had the luxury to sort of kind of taper your roles into the way that you want to practice them. So it sounds like in your surgery role, you're able to be in the OR pretty much the whole time. You have other people rounding, doing the post-op checks, perhaps those types of things. And then in pain management, you're able to, like you said, treat those acute injuries, whereas chronic pain management can be very difficult sometimes you aren't able to always help people with their chronic pain or it only provides a little bit of relief. But when it's acute injuries, usually time can be one of the best friends for healing those. So people probably tend to get better sooner. And like you said, can be a little bit more easy to help them and work with them. So it sounds like you've been able to kind of tailor those to the way that you like, which is amazing as a PA. Right. And Exactly. You kind of summed that up pretty well. Like one of the things that I do when I speak to um, pre-pay clubs 
and other PAs that are starting out and they don't know where to start from, I tell them, listen, dive in, work a little bit, get your feet wet, whether you want to do urgent care. Urgent care is a good field to start with or emergency care is a good field to start with just because you're going to see a lot. You know, you're going to do sutures, you're going to see eye problems, you're going to see everything from head to toe. And from that point on, you can kind of gauge yourself where you want to go. And when you're in a particular field, you'll also be able to understand what niche you want to practice within that field. I didn't know that there was a niche in pain, ma- in pain medicine. And kind of same thing with ortho. Even sure. though with ortho, we practice generally everything, there's particular surgeons that we typically work with that do like arthroscopies or total knee replacements, total hip replacements. Then I don't work with spine orthopedic. Uh, just because we don't have that in our sure. hospital, but the sister hospital that we're affiliated with, they do. I don't think I would be enjoying spinal surgeries just because they're a lot longer than the typical surgeries that we do. So that's also something, again, you got to figure out on your own. Do you like long surgeries? I was in a long surgery on a rotation one time that was like eight hours long. I was like, this is definitely not my thing. You know, it takes a big toll on your body, um, standing or sitting in, in one position retracting or even being more active than that in a surgery i didn't appreciate that like for myself and i just decided to that's not something i want to do if i had an option sure yeah that's awesome i think that that really highlights and demonstrates the amazingness of our profession i absolutely love our physician colleagues we need them in our lives you know they are amazing they help so many people with medicine but i'm so thankful that we do have the luxury to be able to try different specialties throughout our career. And like you said, try to kind of tailor your job and your role to that specific niche within the specialty, even if you're able to, as you practice medicine for years to come. I'll tell you something. A lot of people that I've met that work in a hospital setting, they get so used to working in a hospital setting. And again, I don't know their financial nor family situation, but I realize a lot of them get stuck in a comfortable role and don't allow themselves to grow and try other fields from a knowledge standpoint, from a practical standpoint, and from a financial standpoint, yeah. which I find a little bit sad because you you do have the opportunity to kind of like figure this out. And then again, obviously put yourself in a situation where you're working with physicians that understand what your needs are in terms of, hey, I would like to practice this, this, and that. It doesn't always occur, but again, if you get 80 or 90% of what you want, you should probably take that. But again, if you're not looking for that or you don't think that exists, you're wrong because it does. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks again for sharing all those details. That's amazing. And then thanks again for joining us on the PA, the FIWA podcast, Jacob. We really appreciate it. We always like to hear different PAs insights about financial independence. So do you mind sharing what aspects of financial independence you find most appealing? So for me, financial independence is, I think it's kind of like broadly defined for everybody, is doing what you want to do and earn money along the way. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a particular job. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that you can be at a specific location. So one of the reasons my partner and I created a web-based, for us, obviously, it's a revenue. Um, A business, a web-based business is because we can be anywhere in the world and have and do what we need to do 
I can be on vacation. He can be in a different part of the country or in different, you know, anywhere he wants to be. And we can still have control over the finances of the company, run the company. We can literally get on a meeting like this, like you and I are talking right now, and get our problems solved or think through problems. So this is one of the main reasons why we started um, an online business. The reason we chose what we chose to start an online business for was obviously because of the profession that we're in. But from a financial independence standpoint, I personally, as a PA, I've met many people that, I wouldn't say many, handful of people that I know as PAs, they're I would say they're financially independent, but they still work like animals. Meaning these people have, like, I I know that some of them are making half a million dollars a year, a million dollars a year working as a PA, but they have a team that they supervise and they pluck PAs out that that they think that are good at what they're doing and place them in places and basically earn money off of the PAs that are actively working and their job is to supervise. And they still decide to do surgery or not, whether they pursue that or not, but that's on them. So those people I feel like are at the brink of financial dependence. They can do that today if they wanted to, not work and have like that continue to run, but they don't. Um, For whatever reasons, everyone has their own kind of, hey, I want to reach this plateau and then do this and do that. For me, it's kind of the same thing. I quickly realized that if you're going to be a nine to five as a PA, there is not much room for growth unless you're satisfied with what you're earning. You know, if you're good with a six figure salary, you know, 150,000, 200,000, I don't know. You're okay with that. And again, I don't know that many people that potentially earn that kind of money as PAs, but I do know a handful of people that earn 150,000 and above and they're at a nine to five or they have some kind of business that they're running as PAs where it's still medical or it's outside of medicine and they like it. So for me, financial independence in a medical standpoint is when I get to that stage. Am I in that stage today? No. And there are obviously plans that are kind of like in play right now that are happening that hopefully if they go the way that I would like them to, I'll probably be financially independent and then have the opportunity to do other things that I'm kind of researching today. So I've gotten to that point in my career already where I'm used to what I'm doing as a PA, but now I want to venture into other things. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that many PAs probably feel that way and sort of have that mindset. You know, that probably kind of drew them to the profession where you probably enjoy multiple different things versus, again, one specialty or one niche. So you're able to pursue different hobbies. You're able to start a business. You're able to do all of these things in addition to practice medicine if you want to. So that's the beauty of it. And I think that everyone's definition of what financial independence looks like to them is different for every single person. Absolutely. I remember when I was going to PA school and it was like a in my second semester or starting my second semester, I had a conversation with my father. And the reason why we had this conversation in the first place was because we started with 72 students, 12 got kicked out or couldn't make it into the second semester. And I came home and I basically told him, hey, listen, wow. 
I don't know how the second semester is going to be. I know that the first semester was hard. And from what I hear, the second semester is that much harder. So I may, you know, flunk out. I may get kicked out because of like academic reasons. He's like, okay. And I was like, that's going to suck. What do you mean? And he's like, why are you in school today? I was like, so I can be, you know, on my feet so I can be stable, you know, financially, et cetera. He's like, exactly. He's like, if you drop out of school or you fail, does that mean you can't go get a job? That means you can't go pursue other things? No, you're doing this to better yourself, to have security. Tomorrow, when you do have that security, you can do whatever the hell you want. Excuse my language. And, you know, it's still always going to be there. The point is, when you're young, learn something that you can do that you can do for the rest of your life if you chose to do it. But you don't have to necessarily practice this exactly. the rest of your life. And when he kind of told me that, you know, and again, I'm I'm glad my dad told me that at that time because that opened my eyes. He's like, like I didn't I didn't put myself down. I was like, on the contrary, all right, I'm gonna kill the second semester. And I did. I actually started working um like I don't know, a couple of weeks into my second semester because I realized I could handle the workload. I knew exactly what I was doing at that point, and I just started working like a side gig while I was in PA school, which many people don't do. Yeah, that is very interesting. And then thanks for sharing about how your dad gave you that motivational talk as well when you're in PA school. Do you mind sharing, were your parents big role models for you growing up when trying to deal with finances or what kind of got you interested in trying to make sure that you are trying to be well off financially for yourself and your family? So my parents immigrated here in their like mid to late 30s. So I come from Uzbekistan, the former Soviet Union. And I was seven years old when my parents immigrated. I have two older sisters. So my mom and my dad were always working. And my mom was a nurse anesthetist back in the Soviet Union. When she came here, she had to retake a million tests. And it was just difficult for her to do so just because, again, it's not like you have money when you come here. So you have to work. And she never basically passed her and just to become a registered nurse she was always working like as an ma for her that was kind of um like a moral sure. you know what I mean? like hit you know like a mental kind of like not a moral like a mental hit because she couldn't do it even though like i'll give you an example she used to practice in um in a clinic and she would work with an anesthesiologist all the time and she'll just see the anesthesiologist do like things that you probably wouldn't do and she knows it, but the anesthesiologist looks at her as an MA, not knowing that she was a nurse anesthetist mm. intubating and doing all this herself, you know, and like she just knows sure. how to respond in those wow. situations. So she was a big kind of motivation. Like I'm closer to my mother than I am to my father, though I have a lot of respect for my dad. Um, it's just that him and I don't see eye to eye all the time. But again, I always have respect for my dad, regardless of all that. You know, my mom and I just like, I don't know, we're just closer. It is what it is. But my older sisters are also in medicine. You know, our parents kind of taught us from like day one, listen, get on your feet, have something stable. And whatever it is that you want to do afterwards, you can do it afterwards. But get an education and a career early on in your life so that can carry you in kind of like any circumstance in life. Awesome. That sounds like a very interesting background and it sounds like your parents went through a lot and that they were huge role models for you growing up. So that's 
really great that you come from that background and then they instilled hard work ethic for you, but then also, you know, taught that you can also pursue your own type of business on the side as well. So that's awesome. Exactly. And then before we talk a little bit more about my PA box, do you mind sharing how you met your business partner? Did you guys meet in PA school or how do you guys know each other? That's actually exactly how we've met. We met in PA school. Him and I were both the only ones living in Queens, actually. So our school was like 50 miles away from where we lived. So we commuted about an hour and a half to school each way. Oh my goodness. So I met him, like we became friends. Yeah, we became friends about the like the first month into PA school and quickly realized, hey, we're the only ones kind of going from, he actually lived a little deeper into Queens, like meaning further away from the school than I did. But again, it was like a mile or two compared to like the 50 miles we would have to drive. So we decided to carpool and we basically carpooled for one year there and back. We studied together. Um, we made some friends in PA school. And when we graduated, we still kept in contact. You know, we weren't the best of friends, but we were definitely, hey, if you need something, I'm there. Whether it's um, finances, whether it's just I need to talk to somebody or like medical advice. You know, hey, I saw this patient. What do you think about this? That, that, that. Him and I always had that relationship like after PA school. And him and I understood each other, like I feel like on a different level, just because him and I carpooled together and we just really understood each other being next to each other for that long. And he reached out to me about, he reached out to me in like March, April of 2018 with this idea. He actually had this idea sure. before then. We did like a little venture together trying to create like apps for small businesses um, like a bagel shop, kind of having like a Dunkin' Donuts app for a mom and pop shop for a bagel shop. And then we okay. quickly realized cool. it, it wasn't going to happen just because, not from us, but working with so many different people that are very busy and trying to get that information out of them, it just wasn't cost effective for us. It's like, listen, we can't do this concept. So we can rely on ourselves. We can't rely on other people and try to make money from that. At least it didn't work out for us. And then he kind of tweaked the concept and meaning he already came up with the PA box concept then. And he just didn't really think it through at the time. And then later, once he kind of like sat down, he actually taught himself how to code and how to build wow. websites in between that time. It was like about a year and a half in between. When he actually came to me with the idea, hey, listen, do you want to do this? I know I spoke to you about it before, but then when he gave me a little more detail, I saw like, I, I understood what he was talking about and I saw it vividly just like he saw it. And a lot of people that he explained it to actually didn't understand it. Like people that we went to PA school with that he actually approached before he approached me and they didn't see it. They just didn't see the vision. They didn't see it vividly like I did. As soon as he told sure. me about, I'm like, I'm on board. What are we doing? And I actually told him, I'm like, why are you bringing me on board? I'm like, I don't know how to code. I don't know how to do any of it. Like you're losing with me bringing. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, you're exactly the person I need. I was like, okay. And then we just started working together. It took us about a year, year and a half to put it together before we launched it. We actually didn't want to launch wow. it the time that we did. And my wife kind of pushed us into it. She's like, you're not going to make it perfect. So mm -hmm. just launch it because it already brings value. 
to the consumer. And we didn't see it that way. We just know we got to make we got to make this functionality work. We got to make that functionality to work before we go live. She's like, you can do it in a month, in two. You still work on it, but launch it. And that's basically what we ended up doing. So the things that we develop later, like the some of the additions to like the detail that we have now, we didn't launch with that initially, even though it was in the pipeline of things that we were building. Just like Facebook, they don't do a, an update the day of they've been planning that update for like months ahead and then they launch it. So that's kind of what we went through. That's the background story with my partner and I. That's awesome. There were so many little gems in there that I really appreciated. One was that you often can find amazing friends in PA school because you guys are kind of grinding it out together. When I was in PA school, I was going out of state. And so when we were driving to and from our states, we'd often carpool with other classmates that were lived up where I was from. And so you were spending lots of time with them. So that was great as well. And then I think that it's pretty impressive that your partner was able to teach himself coding. All of the tech stuff that I've done for my business with the podcast, but also my website and things like that have been me trying to figure out WordPress and figure out Audacity and things like that. And I did take a podcast course, which definitely really helped, but it's a lot of tech overwhelm to say the least. And if people can teach themselves those skills. I think that's amazing for sure. And then I think too, that you touched on something very interesting, Jacob, too. I think that you touched on your wife pushing you to just go and do it already, because I think so many of us PAs have a perfectionist tendency because we had to get good grades. We want to excel in our jobs, but I'm trying to work on that myself. And where it's like, you just need to just do it and put it out in the world and quit mulling it over, ruminating, what if, overthinking, and just do it. So I think that's really good points that you made with all of that. That's 100%. That's basically what we realized is the value in what we bring in PE Box isn't in the detail of everything that we were trying to put into it. It was literally, hey, compare schools because that doesn't exist, period. All that other detail you can just add in later. And she brought that to light and I told that to him and he's like, yeah, that's actually a good idea. Let's just do it. And I'm glad that we did it then because the revenue that we were starting to generate, it motivated us to keep making it better and better and better. And then again, we, again, as like young and fresh entrepreneurs in a field that we're not, I'm not a professional in web development or design or UI, UX, you know, any of this coding, but I've gotten to understand how data kind of works slightly, you know, or at least how logic works slightly. That's kind of like where him and I, that's what I learned from him in this whole process is when you have data, how do you use the data to present it, to show it, to manipulate it, you know, in a way that it works for what you're trying to achieve. Sure. Awesome. And we have touched a little bit on this next question already, but can you tell the listeners why my PA box was created? Absolutely. I actually would love to. So, and I go to this all, all the time with pre-PA clubs. The purpose of why we created my PA box is very simple. When we were applying to PA school, this was in 2009, 2009 and we started in 2010. There weren't that many PA schools as there are today. I would probably say in 2000, 
I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming there's there were probably like 160. There's definitely under 200 PA schools when I was applying to PA school. Sure. CASPA was new at the time. It was, I, I don't know how old CASPA is per se, but the PA school I was applying to didn't need CASPA to um, kind of as a central tool. So when we when Sargil approached me with, hey, my P box idea, he approached me because he was a preceptor at York College. So he would have students precept at his urgent care, et cetera, and he would speak to them and kind of realized how they would organize to apply to P school and quickly realized, hey, like CASPA is cutting everybody short, kind of, by not giving you all the information that you need in order to understand do you qualify for that program. On the contrary, it's not Casper's fault that you didn't do enough research as a pre-PA sure. to kind of understand if you can apply to that program. You know, that's your job. And that's where we kind of realized, hey, if we solve that problem, we can probably monetize on it and help the community at the same time. So one of the things that we also, like one of the like factors of doing PA Box is we wanted to raise more awareness through creating more PAs and hey guys don't spend as much money as you would typically need just spend the least amount of money so basically my PA box was created to help compare and contrast schools in a very simple way that didn't exist before and at the same time the purpose of that was to save you money in your application fees even though you're coughing up 60 bucks now by me allowing you to not apply to one school that you're not qualified for, I already you already made um, your return on investment. If there's two schools that you're not applying for, you're already saving money. Sure. If there's a third school, you're saving more and more and more. And another factor that I actually recently kind of learned, which I didn't pay too much attention to, is when you're applying to multiple schools, you're also paying multiple supplemental fees which that I was aware of, but I kind of didn't put two and two together that if you took the GRE and five schools need the GRE, you actually have to pay for each school to receive your GRE score. You have to pay for each school also. It's not just a CASP application fee. It's not a supplemental fee. It's also a GRE fee per school. If there's a PCAT that you have to take, which is a, it's kind of like becoming more popular now and the GRE is kind of being like taken out. It's the same problem there. Per school, you have to send a fee. Um, and same thing for the CASPER exam, which is a, like a personality exam for PA school. Same thing. For each one of them, you're going to have to pay for each school that you apply to. So it's not just a CASPER fee that you're applying to, which is 50, 60 bucks. It's an additional 20, 30 bucks on each one of those as well. So it'll quickly come out to like 500 to 1,000 bucks if you don't know what you're doing. Why apply to those schools when you can be certain about, hey, I'm qualified for school A, B, and C. Not, oh, let me apply to 10 schools that I probably am qualified for. And even if you created an Excel sheet or a note, like wrote everything in a notebook, school websites change pretty frequently. So if you did this three months ago and you didn't look back at the website's name, they may have updated something. You may be applying to that program with either missing criteria or not having enough um, 
kind of prerequisites or at shadowing hours or something could have changed. And that's really the concept behind PA box. We kind of think all this through for you, show you what you qualify for and where you should apply to. And then obviously you make the decision, is it worth it or not as a pre-PA? Yeah, that's awesome. I was definitely one of those pre-PAs that had this Excel spreadsheet going, looked at so many PA programs that I was considering in so many different states back when I was applying. And I would have to make different columns and figure out all the nuances. How many patient care hours does this program need versus this one? Which prereqs? Oh, that that program requires a zoology course. Well, I've never taken zoology before, so I guess I can't apply there. And I'm glad that I didn't waste my time or money applying there for, you know, be, not being able to even get accepted. So I think that the concept of my PA box is absolutely wonderful. I think that, like you said, there is a fee for it, but it saves you so much money in the long term. But more importantly, I think that it just saves you so much time. Time is one of life's most precious non-renewable resources, as many in the financial independence community say. So if you can save time throughout your life, it's very reasonable to pay a small price for it. So thank you so much for creating this amazing resource. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are some of your favorite features of my PA box that can save future PAs so much time and headaches besides the ones that you've already mentioned so far? So with my pay box, the main tool, there's a couple of tools there that people use. Obviously, it's just searching up a PA school itself. Like the way we display each school is ergonomically, I think, easy to look at because it's bullet point formatted versus the way the websites kind of do things. They lay everything out in a paragraph format. So okay. we kind of take out all of the fluff and keep exactly what you need to know. And that's kind of what you're going to be doing in PA school too. There's a lot of fluff that you're going to be learning, but there's only pertinent things that you need to kind of like remember. Like my wife right now is going to, this is, I'm going to go on a tangent for a second. It's okay. She's applying to NP school. Sure. And sometimes she, not applying, sorry, she's in NP school. She's almost done. And she's like, sometimes she asks me questions. She's like, how do you know this? Like, it's not the feel that you practice or it's not, and I'm not saying I know everything, but I'm just saying some things are just like it's so embedded in your head from PA school just because like they like drill that in your brain. And this is kind of what we wanted to do with this concept to make it easy to look at. So the way we present each school looks the same. The reason why I'm saying this to you, all websites are different. All PA school websites are different. Yeah. Some are easy to navigate. Some are very difficult to navigate. Like you can't find basic info that you want to find, which is like, for instance, the phone number to the department, just because you're, it's like difficult navigating through their site. You want to call them and ask them a particular question. It's hard to find that. So we kind of create a concept for that and make it simple. Um, the second thing that I like that a lot of my users obviously give us feedback for is the filter, the school match filter. So some of the feedback we've got, I didn't even know some of these schools existed using this filter. So thank God that I used PA Box. I was able to apply to this school that I never heard of, and I got accepted because I didn't mind relocating or et cetera. Or all the schools around me are so expensive, I didn't know that there's schools that are so much cheaper in maybe this state or that state, et cetera. So the school match is definitely an interesting tool. Um, but 
the bread and butter of my PA box isn't any of that because that you can do on your own. You can research a school on your own. It's going to take you time. You might have errors in the way that you're putting all the information together. And my PA box isn't perfect. I'm pretty sure we have errors there too that we've caught along the way as, as it's been out. But we try to perfect it. Again, nothing is perfect. Facebook isn't perfect. As we all know, recently, if you recall, they went down with uh, WhatsApp. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> if Facebook yeah. went down, it's okay for my PA box to have an error or two in sure. our algorithm. Um, and tracing back to the most important thing, I think my PA box, like the feature of it is the dashboard. That layout of having all 10 schools that you're interested in, you've typed in all of your transcript, your shattering hours, your patient care experience. And on one page, it summarizes, hey, for at Stoll University, I'm 80% completed in my prereqs. For Albany um, University, it, I am 50% completed. For Toro College Bayshore Campus, I am 80, 85% completed. It tells you that on one single page after you've typed all that in. CASPA today does not do that still. Sure. So one of the things that I realized about Casper, maybe I'm just like, you know, patting my own shoulder. I really feel like they start. So when we first started my PA box to where we are now, to when Casper was where we started PA box to where Casper is today, they're giving you a lot more information than they did before. Okay. That they did not do before. And I feel like it was because of my PA box. I really do. Um, not that I reached out to them or anything like that, but I really do. That was a factor. One of, and the reason why I think that's a factor is Casma makes money off of the revenue. The more school students apply to, the more money they earn. The less sure. schools they apply to, the less money they earn. And this is kind of like where we came in. Hey, let us filter, help the students filter through all the schools and make sure they're applying to what they can fit to. And they're going to save money this way. I didn't really care about what Casper thinks of my PA box, but that was kind of the background thought of it is if we're saving them time and money, they'll use it. And from pen to kind of like to like from pen and paper to the reality where my PA box is done, we have a lot of active users today. And I think the concept is proven that it works, even though it's not, again, a perfect system. It's the better system that's out there right now. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that it really does have so many cool features. One of my favorite ones you did touch on was the recommended schools feature where you put in all the information that you're considering and the even geographical states that you're wanting to go to PA school. But also part of that f feature is how much money you're considering spending and where it kind of helps filter out, oh, this program is really, really expensive. I probably don't want to necessarily apply there, but this one is a little bit more affordable. Maybe this one would be higher on my list because of that. And I just thought that that feature was really amazing for pre-PAs too. I appreciate that. And that's actually one of the things that I speak to and my partner touch up um, during our presentations to pre-PA clubs is don't underestimate the tuition that you're going to be taking out, you're going to pay back. And it's not simple to pay back a six-figure loan, again, given the money that you're probably going to be earning yourself. So 
And that's something that we kind of like go into a little bit of detail explaining, like breaking down, hey, 100 grand after taxes, because you're working for someone, you're not 1099, you're not uh, self-employed, you're a W-2, you're going to get taxed 37%, most likely. I mean, I don't know how much, I mean, state to state, it varies, obviously, because some states don't have us like a state tax or city tax. I live in New York where we have one of the highest like taxes in the country aside from California, which is again, ridiculous. Sure. Yeah. Awesome. And then in addition to my PA box, you and your partner have also started offering other services for pre-PAs. What types of services do you offer for them? So we offer uh, personal statement revisions mock interview services, and supplemental essay revisions. So those are conducted by a former alumni of the York PA program. He was one of the professors there, and he was, I think, at one point, either director or the chairman of the York PA program. He was also faculty there for many years. So he's retired at this point. And again, the way we've met him is through Sargil because he precepted for that program and they became really good friends. And obviously I got introduced to that equation through Sargil and we became kind of um, friends from that point on. And he's the one that conducts these services and he likes doing this. He does it his free time. Again, he travels at this point, he's retired. So whenever he's traveling, he gets on a quick call to do a mock interview and he's happy about it because he's still contributing to his field being retired. Nice. That's awesome. Very cool. And then if some of the listeners are thinking about signing up for my PA box, if they are pre-PAs and are hoping to apply to PA school soon, do you mind sharing the cost that it is and how the subscription looks like for them? Right. So the cost of my PA box at the present time is $65 for the year. So I think that's a pretty reasonable price point just because that's around the price point of applying to one PA school. So that's kind of how we totally. chose that, that figure. Now, most of the time, most PA students will use a discount code and they'll get a 15% discount, lowering the price down to 55, which is actually the exact cost of one school that you'll apply to. And that's kind of how we came up with those figures. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, the discount code that you provided for the listeners on our show is PAFI for Physician Assistant Financial Independence. So you guys can definitely use that code to get 15% off your My PA Box subscription. So thank you so much for offering that for us, Jacob. Absolutely. Just don't forget, it's all caps. Okay. PAFI, all caps. Correct. Good to know. Thank you for pointing that out. And then I really appreciate you taking the time today to share about my PA box. If some of the listeners want to touch base with you, find out more about my PA box or get in touch with you, how can listeners find you? So we can be reached at our Instagram page, or if they want to speak to me directly, um, they can just email me at jacob at mypabox.com. And I'll be more than happy to answer any questions. Very cool. I'll make sure to include the links for your Instagram as well as your website in the show notes for today's episode. Perfect. Thank you, Kat. Yeah. And thanks again so much for 
taking the time, Jacob, to share about my PA box. I think it's an amazing resource for all the pre-PAs out there. can save them so much time, so many headaches, and hopefully a lot of money as well. So thanks again. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to spread the word of my PA box to your audience and a little bit of some financial advice. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.